All right, listeners, welcome on. It is just me today. It is a solo episode. I recently launched a virtual program uh, associated with my in-person facility, but this one is solely focused on habit change. How to make habit change a little bit easier, a little more logical, a little more step-by-step. Now, along with this program, I gave key tips, and there's key tips I always give. But really, when I looked at it, I realized that there there were five main ones, five main keys when it comes to habit change. Now, admittedly, this is an oversimplification. Things are not ever this easy. However, understanding these five tips can make the entire process just a little bit easier, just a little bit more logical, just a little bit less emotional, a little bit easier to follow. So this episode is sharing those five tips with you. I hope this is helpful. You know, as you listen, think about your own life. Think about how this relates. You know, the first thing we have to realize before listening to the rest of this episode is habit change relates to anything. You know, very often, especially with what I do for a living for for health and wellness, we think about weight loss. We think about gaining strength. We think about my athletes. But habit change is involved in anything. If I want to learn a new language. If I want to be more productive day to day so I can advance my career, if I want to learn an instrument, these are all habits. These are all ways to develop our brain so that things become a little more autonomous, a little more automatic. And that takes repetitions. So regardless of what your goals in life are, this will still pertain to you, assuming that you have any goal of any kind. couple of things that I want to note before we get too far into, into the cues itself. And I promise this is going to be a relatively short episode. The major goal of this episode is to realize that we have two types of brains. We have our emotional brain, the very reactive brain, the part that seems to take over. If you ever read the book called Switch, there's a great analogy about the elephant and the rider, and he explains it better than I can in the, in the book. But Essentially, our logical brain, the other brain, the one that thinks scientifically and and things make sense, is the rider on top of this giant elephant, which is our emotional brain. Now, when that elephant wants to go a certain direction, there is very little that the rider can do to change that. Emotions are strong. However, When the rider thinks ahead a little bit, when the rider knows how to influence the elephant, it can still get its way. The goals that we will go over today, the five tips today are going to help you to find your logical brain, to help your rider be a little stronger, a little more influential, so it can quiet and tame your elephant, your emotional side. Now, no matter what we cover here, the second disclaimer, it's going to be difficult. For many of us, our habits are so ingrained. This is hard to change a habit, to stop doing something the body and the brain are so used to doing is difficult. And I think it's important to give it that credit. It's okay that it's hard because you'll be so much more proud of yourself when you get through the challenge. As Kobe Bryant said, the journey is the good part. The journey is the prideful part. The destination changes anyway. 
Goals tend to change as we get further along the journey. So while yes, we are trying to make things easier and to increase your odds of success, this is difficult and that is okay. Final disclaimer, the habit changes I'm speaking about pertain to non-life-threatening ones. So while the theories here have some merit in any type of habit change, I won't ever pretend to know as much as a psychological professional, a counselor when it comes to things like serious drug addiction and alcohol and depression and major anxiety disorders or anything along those lines. So if, if you relate to something relatable as to what I just said in that list, please get appropriate help. The things we're talking about today are things that are more in your control. The everyday goals, the everyday habits that are still difficult, still challenging, we still find ourselves restarting the attempt to change a habit over and over and over and over, but they do not go outside of the scope that would be needed to help by a professional. So let's get into the good stuff. How does habit change work? Very basically, your brain is made up of millions of nerves and nerve endings that make up neural networks. The more we do something, the stronger a habit becomes, no matter what it is, no matter if we mean to do it, if we realize we do it, every day we get up and brush our teeth, if we do that every single day, that habit becomes more and more ingrained. And while we have no reason to change that habit, unless science out of nowhere says we're not supposed to brush our teeth in the morning, it would be really hard to stop that. Most of us will get up in the morning and walk and we'd be halfway through brushing our teeth before we realized I'm not supposed to do this anymore. So the more we do things, the more habits get ingrained. And we have millions of these neural networks, neural networks excuse me, in our brain. And these, ne these networks start to blend together. So again, we wake up in the morning, we immediately get up and we move like a zombie. We stumble into the bathroom and perform everything we have to do to get ready for the day. At this point, how much do you really think about any of that? Your brain probably doesn't awake for another 30 to 60 minutes after. So we can start linking different habits we have together. And then we have dopamine. Dopamine is the reward center of the brain. And to, again, oversimplify, we remember enough to repeat what we like and to avoid what we don't. So if we really enjoy the taste of something, next time we are in a stressful mood, a bad mood, the brain's going to say, I remember what got us into a good mood once. Let's go back and do that again. And if we do that, and we do that enough times, eventually it becomes a habit where now we don't need the bad mood anymore to need the dopamine effect. All we need is to get to the end of the night where we say, it's time for that dessert. Is dessert bad? No. And as we, you know, we have to make sure we mention over and over again in this episode, this is a game of ratios. There is no good or bad. There is being over excessive in indulgences or idle time to where we just don't accomplish what we want to. This is not about good and bad. This is not about shame. This is not about guilt. This is about doing what we need to get the goals that we want to accomplish because we truly want to accomplish them. Now, the other side of dopamine is avoidance of what we don't like. <sighs> Excuse me. Yep, that was a sneeze and I'm not using my editor. So thank you for those uh, that said, God bless you. Let's say I walk into a workout and let's say my first workout is just unbelievably difficult. I can barely walk out the door after I feel incredibly sore the next day to where I feel like I can't move. Who would want to repeat that? 
okay, that is just a miserable situation that the brain is now going to say, I don't like that. Don't do that again. We now have a negative connotation for exercise. If I eat a really healthy meal, but it tastes like garbage, why would I want to repeat that? You shouldn't at all. And to go back to both those examples, my trainers are, are trained and knowledgeable in how to find the middle ground, to make a first workout challenging enough to where you leave prideful, that you accomplish something new, yet not so miserable that you have a negative connotation associated with it. You have to find the middle ground. There has to be, it has to be a positive relationship with what we are doing. Same with food. If we have the right person cook us the right healthy meal and it tastes good because healthy food does taste good. Most of us just don't have a good relationship or a good experience, excuse me, with healthy food. But if the right person cooks us the right way the first time, we are going to be just as wanting to repeat that meal as any other indulgence that you can think of. Healthy food tastes good. Okay, so we have neural networks that strengthen and automatically get us to repeat actions and habits. And we have dopamine, our reward center, that reminds us to repeat things or to avoid things depending on our first experience with whatever that thing is. Let's get into the tips. Okay, so now we know the, the basic oversimplification of how the brain works and how a habit works. Here's the five tips we are gonna focus on and give you today. One, when it comes to making a habit, we focus on between one and top three changes. Now let's go back to our first experience talk. We wanna create wins. We wanna create prideful moments that the brain wants to repeat because that is in and of itself a positive dopamine effect. So if I think about what I do every day, I think about the habits that I wanna change and I make a promise to change things in a way that is doable for me, not reaching for the impossible. An example where I can actually get to the end of the night and look back and say, hmm, I made one, two or three focuses and I did all three. Wasn't too bad. Yeah, a little challenging, but I did it. Now the next day, even more repeatable even higher chance of success. We have to choose again between one and three of those and we have to make them non-negotiables, non-negotiables. The one to three things that no matter what, I do not break on. And this sounds very restrictive, but it's not, and let me explain. By making these one to three things non-negotiables, we give ourselves a break in the other things. So if you are not perfect outside of those three things, Give yourself a pass. Now, we're not saying you get an out-of-jail-free card where you can just do anything you want outside of these one to three habits, but definitely give yourself some leeway because the goal of this is to accumulate reps. The more success we have in making the right decisions and accomplishing a task, the faster a habit becomes permanent or autonomous or automatic. So, one to three non-negotiables, give yourself a pass outside of those. Let time pass until the non-negotiables seem to be relatively easy and then progress the goal. Either 
making the current non-negotiables maybe a little more challenging, taking the next step on them, or working on one to three new things, whatever the situation might be. Second tip, become a collector. You have to collect as many reps, accumulate as many reps of wins as you can. The science says it takes between 18 and 264 days to acquire a habit. That is a ridiculously long time span. What a difference, right? 18 days and closer to a year. Big, big, big difference. So is that genetic? Maybe, maybe to a certain degree, but minimally. What's more likely is that the people who took 250 plus days to develop their habit had more lapses in between, which is fine. We are not expecting perfection. We have to learn patience. We have to learn that when we do have lapses, we get back on the train. Again, there is no room for shame or guilt here. That's not what this is about. We are looking for positive reinforcement. So accumulate. Can we string as many days in a row as possible? When we do have a lapse, can we get right back on the track so our brain doesn't have a chance to develop the other habit the other way? Remember, every no or yes to something is a no or yes to something else. We are always developing a habit. So if I don't go to the gym that day, not going to the gym is being reinforced. We aren't just not reinforcing the going to the gym habit. We're strengthening the not going to the gym habit. Every time I don't go to bed at the time I was going to, because I want to make sure I get about seven and a half hours of sleep in, I reinforce the habit of not going to bed, which means I reinforce the watching of one more episode, the scrolling on my phone for another half an hour. Your habits are never in neutral. We are always reinforcing something. Every no is a yes to something else. Every yes is a no to something else. What goal are you accumulating? What action, what step are you accumulating? Get as many of those as you can, string as many of those together as possible, and that's when things become permanent and easier. Become a collector. Third, create cues. Remember, our current habits are built on neural networks, established neural networks, which means we shouldn't just automatically remember to do it. If it was that easy, you wouldn't be here listening to this podcast. So you have to create yourself reminders, sticky notes on a fridge, notes in your daily planner, which is what I use most of the time myself. Leaving your lunchbox out on the countertop to make sure that you make it the next day instead of ordering in lunch for the fifth day that week. Whatever the cue is, you have to create reminders so you actually are successful in completing the task. And then going back to accumulate, accumulate as many as you can from there, but you have to create a reminder or a cue. Fourth tip, habits cannot be quit. They need to be replaced. And this is similar to our point from above where every no is a yes and every yes is a no. Instead of just saying no to something, try to put something else in its place. Did you ever have a food in front of you where you said, I cannot have that? That's all you focus on. Okay, we're, we're all giant children. Where once we tell our kids, our toddlers that no, they can't have something, that's all they focus on. However, if I give my toddler something else, 
they will absolutely forget whatever it was they were asking me for a hundred times before that. It works every time. Your habits are the same way. You have to replace habits instead of just trying to quit them cold turkey. Instead of watching less TV at night, which is great, find something else to do before going to bed. If you're not a reader, find something else. Maybe it's a puzzle, something that takes light out of your eyes and allows your brain to start shutting down, but replace it with something else. Instead of just not eating something, find a delicious, healthy recipe and put it in place. So you know what? Maybe it's not exactly the cheeseburger you wanted for the sixth time that week, because again, cheeseburgers aren't bad. They're bad if we eat them three meals a day, every single day for a year. That's when they're bad, when they become excessive. But if you find something you like and enjoy that is in the healthy spectrum, that replacement is not as difficult. Replace habits instead of quitting habits. Remember, positive reinforcement. Replace with something else you like, your dopamine effect will take over and you will want to repeat that over again. You can also look at it as creating a distraction. Okay, if I go back to my toddler example, if, if they are still focused on their iPads and I find a really good game that they like in the closet, it's the look at me over here mentality. Eventually, if they like that game, their attention is going to get pulled. Okay, create your cues, replace and find distractions that can get you going away from the negative habit you do not want to reinforce. Fifth tip, and this one might be the, the one you've heard before, but you probably haven't tried enough yet and are not in the right way. We have to become planners. If we come full circle to the point we made at the beginning where we talk about trying to be in our logical brain and not in our emotional brain. When we take the decision out of the moment, when we take the idea of being reactive out of a moment, we replace emotional decisions with logical ones. If I choose my meals the day before, even if I don't make them, but if I decide what they're going to be, sure, could I break the next day? Of course I could, but at least I increase my odds. Now, if I go a step further and actually make those meals the day before, again, increasing odds even more. I still don't have to eat that meal. I still could break. It's about increasing odds. What time are you going to bed? Exactly. Not, I'm just going to start getting more sleep. Nope. Here's the time I wake up, backtrack that number seven and a half hours. What time is that? That's the time I have to go to bed. So if I have to go to bed by eight o'clock to get seven and a half hours in before the next day or whatever it is, eight o'clock is my time because I wake up really early, let's say 10 or 11 o'clock. It takes my brain at least 30 minutes to shut down after it's been exposed to light. Well, then I have to turn the TV off, my phone off, my iPad off. 30 minutes before that time. I have now planned and I have a template in mind. Now I can, I can think about everything I want to do leading up to it. So if I do have to work or if I do want to scroll my phone, scroll on your phone isn't bad. Scroll on your phone all you want at the right time when it doesn't take away from your productivity that would give you other habits and doesn't keep you up right before you want to go to sleep. Ratios, time and place. But have a plan. If there's things you love to do, do not just try to remove them, find a place for them. If you've ever heard the 80-20 the rule, I like to use the 90-10 rule, but same concept that really the number is arbitrary, it doesn't matter. If I'm quote unquote good, 80 to 90% of the time, 
it really doesn't matter what I'm doing the other 10 to 20%. It doesn't. I'm, I'm going to win over if my ratios are that good week after week, month after month, year after year. Plan your 10 to 20%. Where does it fit and where does it hurt me the least? If I have a really unhealthy meal at lunchtime when I'm hoping to be really productive in the afternoon, not a good time for that meal. If I want to have a really unhealthy meal, but really delicious one around five o'clock after my workday, where I don't care if I'm in a semi-vegetative state for a couple hours after that, great. That's probably the time for that meal. That's Sunday lunchtime, you know, whatever it might be. Plan your indulgences, plan your 10 to 20%. This is not about making your life miserable. It's not about saying I have to be so restrictive, otherwise I cannot I cannot find success. That's not it. We just don't plan enough and we go by the seat of our pants with every decision every day. We wake up and we allow our elephant, our emotional decision maker to determine everything we do. And then when things are thrown at us that we didn't expect, the, the meeting that made you angry, the bad phone call, the negative news from your family, if we don't have a plan in place, the odds of us making good decisions in those times are slim. They're really, really difficult. So commit to one to three goals. Make them non-negotiables. Accumulate reps, become a collector. Create reminders, cues. Replace habits before quitting them. And have a plan. Have a plan. Take 10, 20, 30 minutes a week and come up with a plan. I promise you that time is so well spent, it will save you so much time later in the week. But have a plan. Things to remember before we wrap this episode up. Right, and this is probably the, the biggest point. And well, sometimes this is the, the hardest pill for people to swallow. What works, works. Okay, if you have a goal to learn a language, let's use that as an example, because I think weight loss can be the, the most common one, most popular one. But um, also the most sensitive one. How many hours does it take for me to learn that language? And most of us don't argue, listen, if I practice five minutes a day and I don't learn it, I, I increase how much time I'm practicing, right? What works, works. If I can learn a language practicing, you know, 10 hours a day because I need it, but someone else can practice five minutes a day and learn that same language, it doesn't matter if I think it's unfair or if I said, well, it worked for him. So I'm, I'm going to keep doing what he did. I'm going to be stubborn about it, but I'm going to keep trying what he did because it worked for him. So eventually it has to work for me. Well, I, now I am, I'm at fault here because I'm not giving the credit due to what needs to be done. What works, work, what doesn't, doesn't. You know, in social media, we talk a lot about not being restrictive and listening to your body and giving the body what it needs and what it wants. And and I do, and I agree with that to a certain extent. However, again, in the end, what works, works, and what doesn't, doesn't. If we do go back to weight loss and strength gains, there is a genetic component. Some people lose weight one way, some people lose another. Some people gain strength real easily. Some have to work a little bit harder. This is a guess and check system. If you really want a goal bad enough, you have to be willing to be honest with yourself about what is working and what is not. What works, works, and what doesn't, doesn't. Be honest with yourself. Be aware as you're going through the process. If things are not working, be willing to say, whether I like it or not, I might have to change my game plan. As we said earlier, this isn't easy. Not physically and not neurally. 
Give it the benefit it deserves. If it were easy, you would not be here listening to me right now. Give yourself the chance to be logical. Stay away from the most tempting situations until habits are strong. Okay, sometimes it's a little bit of sacrifice. I know that's a no-no word nowadays, but it's a little bit of restriction, a little bit of sacrifice just to allow those neural networks to start to develop. If I'm someone that wants to stop drinking, maybe I don't go to the bar for a few months, a few weeks until I'm like, you know what? I've really collected a lot of days. I don't want to break this, this streak that I have going. I haven't drank for a while, but now after three, four, five months, or again, maybe shorter, whatever the example is, I can go into a bar confidently knowing I can have fun with my friends, but I don't have to have a drink. You know, that's just one example, but give yourself the chance by avoiding temptation when you need to, so you can be that collector that you need to be. Accumulate days, strengthen your habits, and then start playing with situations where you where normally you are very, very tempted. I hope this helped. I do, again, realize how much of an oversimplification this probably is. But these five tips are important. Now, your job going forward is to sit down with these five tips and to really think about how they pertain to you and how to use each one of them. That's the key. These five tips by themselves are not going to do anything. Okay, this does not take care of the work for you. It just gives you a few tools to use. If I'm trying to build a beautiful cabinet, someone give me the saw, they give me the nails, they give me the sandpaper, they give me everything I need for that cabinet. I still got to use the tools. Okay, so you have them to use, use them. I do have the virtual program. If anybody wants to check it out, email me, info at marhealthandperformance.com. Uh, you can find it on, on the website. Um, or Google it, but info at mar, M-A-R, healthandperformance.com. You're welcome to check it out. You're also welcome to email me there just with questions. Please do. You know, I love helping people out. Uh, so, so please send me any questions you have. And, and that's it. Get to work, get to planning. I hope this helped. Um, and as always, please don't forget to rate and review and uh, re refer this to, to friends. You know, I, I hope, uh, hope I can be helpful not only to you, but to your friends and family as well. Um, I really appreciate you being a listener and you taking the time to hear this and just well being repetitive again. I just hope it helps. Have a great day.